Ray Davis, welcome inside the crazy ant farm, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. Oh, dude, we are so excited to have you. We are like all in on Fire Country, bro. It's like it's a must see in our house. Uh, we're thoroughly enjoying it, as well as the country. I mean, right? So, and we, so many of our listeners are pumped that we're talking to you. We we're so excited about that, man. Thank you for joining us. No, no, no. It's my pleasure. And you know, it's it's really a trip, man, because the the nature of it is you just do it and you, you don't know how people are going to react to it. Um, so it's been kind of like a pleasant surprise for me. Yeah, oh, I bet. for sure. Facts. We we had to post other types of uh, videos on our YouTube channel and we just posted a uh, top five shows you should be watching in November and Fire Country is like very high up on that list, man. Oh, yeah. I feel like, you know, when they started releasing the promos and stuff like that, like it really amped me up and it really like wanted me to talk about it more on social media and let people know what this thing was happening. And I mean, those Nelson and freaking uh records came out bro and fucking fire country is up there so it's a good thing to see no and and the best part about it is everybody involved with the process from the big bosses the producers to the actors to the crew everybody is is really really dope really good people to root for you know well for sure well that that's fantastic we're gonna talk way more about that don't worry but what we like to do is uh for anybody who may not be familiar with you or or just a kind of a brief introduction let's talk about how you got started in the industry and as an actor was it something that you knew you always wanted to do did you just kind of fall into it talk about that a little bit you know um i grew up in, in houston and um i actually went to a high school that was a public high school, but it, it had this incredible theater tradition, um, Elsick High School in, in Houston, Texas. And I ended up going to college at Webster Conservatory after deciding I wanted to stick with it. Um, and the best way that I can describe my experience as an actor is that it's been kind of a slow burn getting mm-hmm. to where I'm going. Mm-hmm. But I also never felt like I walked into a room that I didn't belong in. Mm. Whatever level I was in, it seemed like I was in the right place, if that makes sense. Well, oh, for sure. Yeah, no, that it's so important because I, I we talk about that all the time, the importance of never feel like you don't belong in the room. You're there for a reason, and if you have self-doubt, that's going to put out to people, and they're going to doubt, right? So it's so important. that I'm so glad you brought that up because I feel like a lot of young people trying to get into the industry, they feel like, oh my gosh, this is the biggest audition of my life. Maybe, maybe I don't deserve it, or maybe I don't belong here. And it's like, no, that's the worst thing you can do. Of course you belong there. So it's so good to to hear that that you go in thinking like that um so so from texas right that were you did you start in a, like did you know you were always going to bounce out are you going to la i got to go to new york because that's another thing i feel like people don't realize is you can do it from anywhere you don't have to just i got to get to la or i got to get to new york talk about that process what was your and you said theater right so did you start in theater did you always know you were going to go film television at one point or were you thinking i'm a theater guy you know, I, I always sort of thought of myself as a theater guy. And I'm, I'm old enough that the, that the industry tra- changed radically mm. from the time that I first started and the time that we're in now. Mm. When I first started, you really did feel like if you want to do theater, you're going to go to New York. You want to do TV and film, you're going to go to L.A. Yep. And I guess the, the best way to sort of articulate that is I remember – You'd hear you'd be in New York because I spent the first twelve years of my career there, and someone might book a pilot out of New York, 
like just going to auditions in New York. And that was a big deal. For sure. That, that was like a thing that you said, oh, she booked a pilot out of New York. Like LA actually flew her to, L- you know, and it was just a different thing. But with the new television era and the explosion and so many things, you can book anywhere. But, you know, Tyra Banks used to say on uh, um, America's Next Top Model, it, it, it's hard to be, a, or you can't be a model in Iowa. And, and I, I do think that there's a degree of truth to that. The further you are from the industry, the harder it is. So it's possible, but there's just more you have to overcome if you're trying to book out of Dallas or, you know, New Orleans, places with a lot of talent, but they're just not booking leads out of there yet. Right. Oh, most definitely. And I mean, it's all about, you know, finding yourself and finding your footing. And I want to take it back just a tiny bit, uh, talk about identity a little bit. When you got into theater, was it something that was like, you know, because I also started in theater. I went to public school as well, and I also played a lot of sports in high school. And a lot of my sports buddies just did not understand why I got on that stage. <laughs> so with you coming from Texas, big freaking baseball Astros, congratulations, by the way, and <laughs> and big into football with, with trying to figure out yourself at such a young age, how was it, you know, getting onto that stage? Did you have a little trouble with your identity or was it kind of just like a natural progression? You know, that's, that's a good question. I, I'd like to say I had maybe a little more trouble, but one of the things is I went to a high school. If you wanted to play football, I mean, you had to be pretty, pretty doggone good. For sure. Right. I mean, if you wanted to play varsity basketball, it was only 12, 13 spots. Uh-huh. Those last were 6'3", 6'4", 6'7". Most six, definitely. Yep. Um, and so I'm, I'm seeing guys that would go on to be All-American track stars and – play basketball at the D1 level and I'm realizing that I'm not as good. <laughs> I'm pretty good, but perhaps if I'd gone to a high school with a with a lesser athletic tradition, I may have been fooled into thinking that I was better than I was. But at that time I was able to say, you know, you're not an elite athlete. You're good. Right. Um, you know, it was easy for me to kind of transition into something else. And the, the basketball players, football players came to our plays. We went to their football games. That's awesome. A, you know, it was, a, it was a cool experience. So, okay, so now then let's talk about the transition, right? Because you know your identity. This is where you're at. You feel, that, okay, I've found what I'm good at. This is what I'm going to focus on. You learn. You go to New York. You're a theater guy. You're feeling it. And then all of a sudden, hey, it's film and television. That's a whole different ball game, right? Because theater, you're taught everything from the very beginning. It's a, it's a to project yourself. Play to the back. Everything is big. Everything is loud. And then you come into TV and film and it, the camera's right here and every little tiny thing you do is like noticeable was that a hard transition did you find or were you able to like just adapt quickly or what it, how, what was that like you know, to speak specifically to, to to what i think you're getting at the auditioning wasn't wasn't totally hard because i think that when i began to move into the tv and film realm by that time it took a long time for me personally to get an agent right and you have to have an agent to start auditioning at that level. Uh-huh. So over this time, I've done 20, 25 plays in New York, but I haven't done any TV and film auditions. Uh-huh. And then I, my team sort of ups itself in, 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 in an organic way, and I'm auditioning all the time, but I have eight years of auditioning. 
Mm. And I had eight years of being like a straight up pro in New York. So I was ready to, to audition and I immediately began to get a positive response from that. But the actual building of performance and um, sort of finding what my, what my process was going to be that, that took time. Yeah. And, and that took um, watching myself and not being entirely <laughs> happy with what I'm seeing. For sure. <laughs> Just having to deal with that, like as, as an adult and as a professional craftsperson to say, okay, this is what I want to improve on. Mm-hmm. I'm learning on the job. Most definitely. And for something else too, I'm trying to talk about more about, you know, finding the right agent and being able to find representation. It's kind of like trying to get a job when you're a teenager, you know, they, they want experience, but you have to get a job to get experience. It's like that type of thing. So how do you get an agent when you don't necessarily have that footage to put together a demo reel or, you know, do all of these things? How do you progress and continue moving forward to try to get to that point to where you can be represented? I, you know, I'll say this, and this is, this is my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. And my, I came up through the New York circuit, mm-hmm. and I've always, this. My opinion is that life is hard in New York. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to live there, for a lot of reasons. Great in a lot of ways, but hard. Yeah. But the industry is not not as tough. Mm. Um, life is better in L.A. <laughs> 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 it's warm and it's. And people are pleasant, and, and it's it's nice, um, but the industry's tough. Yeah, it's rough on you, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because you don't have those equity showcases like we did. You don't you don't have this step into the industry where you're doing some really really, you know, cheaply put on play, and and it's some great playwright, and then the New York Times comes and makes you a New York cri- uh, critics pick, and suddenly that's something that works for you. Right. So finding an, an agent for me was really about ringing the bell over and over mm. and over again. But I had theater sustaining me artistically, right. if not financially, and sort of giving me these little treats that saying, okay, stick around, stick around. Right. So it's hard for me to relate that to LA. I'm not quite sure what it is, but I do believe that the best way to get an agent is through referral. So it's kind of like consistency, repetition, keep moving forward. You know, it'll, it's no matter what happens, like it'll happen as long as you keep going and don't give up. Well, and I love that you said referral, right? Because this is also an industry that's full of networking. It's not necessarily always about what you know, it's who you know. And you might know such and such, you know such and such, who knows an agent. And now now you've got an agent, you know. And so that's critically important as well. And I like, you know, throwing it back a little bit to when you said how the industry has changed so drastically, right? Because I think an important thing you said about L.A., you know, and how it's real tough out there and everything. Because back in the day, prior to the whole COVID and now everybody doing Zoom and everything, right, you walk in a room in L.A. and there's – a hundred other people that look exactly like you all going for the same role, right? (laughs) Like a little bit easier when you're that bigger fish in a smaller pond, as opposed to that small fish in a big pond that everybody looks exactly the same. I think at least now zoom has kind of made it like you're not necessarily always in that room. Now you get to do a self tape. Now you're being isolated and people can see you as opposed to, you know, 
Um, talk about that transition and, you know, we're going for, because it is a zoom era now, right? Are you finding yourself more in the audition process, more doing self tapes and submitting as opposed to going to the room and in-person reads and stuff? And how has that affected your career? You know, when the pandemic happened, there were a lot of fears that we obviously all had and a lot of them were really important. You know, what are, <laughs> when am I going to see my family again? What if my mom gets it? What if my grandfather gets it? Things right. like that. Um, but when it came to the, my career, the number one fear I had was we can't audition. And it's going to be a while before we can. And relinquishing the power of knowing that you've lit up a casting director's face. You may not get the call back, but you know that you've affected the room. Mm-hmm. And now you've lost that. Um, you don't know what happens. Right. It was terrifying, but it's it's been nice. It's It's rather nice to like... Do an audition in your underwear. <laughs> you know, I have a few friends who are casting directors. I've asked them this, and every person has said this. Every single casting director I've ever talked to, we watched every tape. Mm. We watched every tape. Right. We don't skip tapes, because why would we do that? That exactly. tape the one. Um and if not them, the assistant, but every tape gets watched. And there's just something about that that gives me a lot of comfort because mm. there's no getting around it. If you're going to get, um, if you're going to test for a role, a pilot on network, there's a, there's a lot of yeses that have to happen before you can get to the testing course. For sure. A lot of yeses have that you've gone through mm-hmm. and thousands of tapes. It doesn't matter if you're standing in the room in the initial audition or you do a self-tape from New Zealand, at some point, someone's going to be watching your tape and you have no idea it's happening. So it's all kind of the same thing. And it's just competitive. Mm-hmm. If, there may not have been as many actors in 1955 in Los Angeles, but there were like three TV shows. Exactly. <laughs> so like <laughs> the competition was stiff. And there are a million TV shows now, mm-hmm. but there are hundreds of thousands of people who think they're an actor who have the ring light and an iPhone and they can send in their stuff. Facts. You really never know. So it's just the same. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It can be very competitive. It can weigh a lot on one's ability and mental focus. So that's something else we like to talk about recently on the podcast is the mental health game because it ends is an industry full of selection. We like to say selection instead of rejection because it just sounds better. Um, (laughs) But with an industry full of selection and you're not always getting selected and you're basically, your job is auditioning. What, how do you keep your mental health sane and continue moving forward as an actor, as someone who loves the craft? I think that, you know, one thing that helps is the, the amount that you audition. Mm. Obviously, yeah. you know. So the more you audition, the more the easier it is to let go mm. of certain things. And so, if I'm talking to a friend and they only have, you know, two auditions a month on a busy month, then there's a different context with which I'm trying to support them than a friend who has thirty auditions a month. Right? I'm like, let it go. I mean, like, tell <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you got more to memorize. Or if I'm saying to a friend, I understand that like there's a lot that feels like it's on the line mm-hmm. because we have two auditions. Right. But when it's all about reframing. So and reframing can be difficult when things are negative and positive. 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're having to say to yourself, okay, I'm going in and I'm, I might not, I'm probably not going to get this because I don't know this casting director and it's a Martin Scorsese movie. Right. But you nail it. And so now the casting director brings you in for something else. Mm-hmm. And so you're auditioning for more than just that role. You're auditioning for the right to have a spot in that casting director's mind. So you're right. in the frame. Just like when you don't get it at the at the testing stage and it hurts like hell because you know all the details and it's not um, abstract anymore. It's right. Like, I, I'm being, I, I can get it. But you have to say, no, no, no. This is what I've done. I did a nice job reframe it and sometimes you have to reframe when you've moved ahead Mm. and be able to say oh i didn't get that co-star but maybe it's time for me to move on from that or maybe that wasn't the right role sort of kind of where i am now most definitely yeah i'm in a frame i think for sure and you know it's i love every time that we have guests on and they they bring that up right and we talk about selection and not rejection and everything and you talk about the importance of lighting up the casting director's eyes right we had a guest on before, no, um, Tony Winters, who described it as, you know, maybe that day they were looking at for a Porsche and I'm a Maserati. I know I'm a great Maserati, but that day they wanted a Porsche. That doesn't mean they don't, uh, they don't think I'm a great Maserati, right? And if you light up that casting director's eyes, he's going to remember that. And so when he does need a Maserati, he's going to pick that Maserati. So I love that idea that just because you didn't get it, you know that you did well, and they're going to remember that because down the line, that's so important. They might be holding on for a role specifically for you because you blew them away in an audition, and it might not have been right for that, but they remember you for something else, and I mean, that's so critically important. I, you know, that reminds me of something, and uh, let me know if I go too long, but when I first started auditioning for TV and film, I went in for Tucker Meyerson, which is office in New York, Jimmy mm-hmm. Tucker, and Personally, I feel like they can be they can be tough. You know, they're not messing around up in there. Um, you got to know your stuff. You got to be ready to go. Um, and I went in, might have been my second time auditioning for a series regular. And I was okay. Um, I knew I was okay. You know, I was just sort of just kind of getting into the groove of auditioning. It uh-huh. didn't take me long. And I didn't get called in for a year uh-huh. for that office. And about a year later, I kept a very detailed audition log at that time. Um, she called me in and I did my audition and she said, Trey, you know, you, I saw you a while ago and you were, you were pretty good that day, but you were very good today. Mm. Tell me what happened in the last year. And we talked about it. But the thing is, is she'd seen thousands of actors mm-hmm. that year, thousands. And she immediately knew who I was. She remembered mm. who I was based off an audition that I felt was sort of mediocre. Mm. And what it taught me is that she's a pro. These people are professionals. They know how to do their job. Mm-hmm. And you should have faith in the industry. Oh, for sure. Have faith in the fact that <laughs> these people know when they see something really good, when they see something that sparks their interest and you may not hear back about it in a week you may not hear back about it in two months but when you're always prepared always good you're commit you're, you're creating a lot of goodwill mm. and she taught me a huge lesson by saying i underestimated her ability to remember who i was because she has a job 
but I have a hard job. Right. And, and I can do it. Um, so don't take those, those auditions for granted at all because they remember and they will bring you back. Exactly. And I, this actually, what you were just saying kind of like sparked an idea into my head. The whole entertainment industry is kind of like on set. Now, stay with me. Uh, <laughs> it's basically where you hurry up and wait. All the actors, they're in the fast lane. They feel like they have to be going like freaking boom, 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 super fast, like trying to audition for everything because there's so many projects out, like so many streamers and everything like that. But everybody who's in charge of the projects, it takes time. It takes money. It takes all of these different things. So to be to have that you know, knowledge of how the industry works, I feel like is very important for everybody who's trying to break into it. And, you know, because you might not hear back from something, like you said, you auditioned for, for like probably a month or maybe a month and a half, just because there's so much other stuff that's going on in the background that is unbeknownst to you, but you have to continue being positive and keep moving forward. And I think that's what it's all about in the entertainment industry. Because if you make an impression on somebody, you will get called back from that person. It might be a week, it might be a month, it might even be six months, but it will happen at some point as long as you make that impression. And I think that's what you do in your audition. You make that impression of being just a good person and a creative talent. So we appreciate you for that and passing along your, you know, your knowledge about everything. Because that's what I'm really hearing from this interview is you're really insightful you're really knowledgeable about how it goes down and i i cannot thank you enough for that oh thank you man i i really appreciate that and and i feel like the complexity of the industry gives me comfort mm. that it's it's the idea that it's impossible is what's scary or yeah. or, or, or or that you have to have this many followers or you have to be famous or that's what's scary to me. Mm-hmm. But know that you can get really, really, really good auditions. And if you do that four years straight, if you're getting in, um, that good things can happen. Mm-hmm. Gives me comfort. Now, there's always caveats, right? Like, for sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you got to get in. That's a practical problem and it has to be solved. Yeah. yeah. Um, you don't have an agent. That's a practical problem and mm-hmm. it has to be solved there's no way around it uh, it's like being in the union so i just try my best to <laughs> to bring to embrace that complexity and know that hey man it's it's hard to get a co-star it's hard to recur mm-hmm. it's a miracle to get a a series regular yeah uh, and everybody has periods of not working exactly for sure well okay look you're you're clearly I, I love I love the theme that's going on right consistent consistency if you consistently give God auditions you consistently do well in front of people that matter and you consistently keep make yourself memorable to those people good things happen well fire country you're the prime example of somebody who's consistently good consistently memorable and that's how you get an opportunity to be on the highest rated new drama of the season it's one of the highest rated shows period on television right now it's freaking math so much so that they just announced we're going to have it in our industry news section this week that you guys are getting a special episode after the afc championship game they don't put shit like behind those big games unless they feel it's got some potential so you guys are killing it it's literally on fire right now it's so good what i really liked about this show 
that a lot of people don't know is this is real. This is a real thing. This prison inmate stuff that where they go into these crews and they get an opportunity to work out. That's a real thing. And I love that that story is being shared now because the amount of people that I talked to that had no idea, they thought it was pure fiction, that it was just fake for the show. I'm like, no, this is a real thing that happens. And I mean, I love that you guys are getting it out there. Um, Freddie. I got to say, no spoilers. I'm trying to keep away from spoilers, but this week's episode, Freddie was pretty uh pretty bold and out there and may have caused a little bit of trouble for his yeah. for his buddy there, right? I mean, I love the the direction that they're taking Freddie and that relationship and I think that's getting a little bit more bold and and you know, now there's that they they trust each other but without giving away too many spoilers, you may have kind of just jostled that trust a little bit. <laughs> Talk about the direction of Freddy's character and that relationship between him and Bodhi and, and like this whole thing going down because I think it's an extraordinary relationship that they highlighted from the very first episode. Absolutely. I, and I think that it would be a disservice to me not to start with Max. Max Periad, who plays Bodhi, and he's a show creator. Max is the absolute real deal. Um, he, you, you, he is what you think he is, but he's, an, he's a complete gentleman. Um, he grew up in Northern California. He has a lot of friends that work for Cal Fire. And so the show is essentially about uh, him trying to highlight, you know, the work that these people do, these first responders do to keep people's homes and towns safe. But he also has a great deal of respect for people. Mm. And so with the convict part of the show, <clears throat> he really wanted to make sure that because so much of the show deals with Cal Fire, that there was enough angle enough story given to what these prisoners are and there's absolutely no judgment on these men as people his his character Bodhi committed a very serious crime armed robbery so it's not like he you know he's in for for, <laughs> for right. stealing church or anything like that um and with what they've given me allowing Freddie to be a full person sort of starting off as just a comic relief but giving me more dimension has been really cool. Yeah, for, for sure. And I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I do think that they're doing a very good job of that. Okay, they're convicts. And so many times that's a there's a stigma attached to that. They must be this horrible person, this bad person, if they're a convict and they're in prison. But so many times, we're all human. We make mistakes. And it doesn't necessarily mean you are a bad person or a piece of shit human being if you made a mistake and you end up in prison. And I think this, this show is doing a really good job of highlighting sometimes circumstances are circumstances and good people end up in bad spots and the the redeeming factor that this show is showing you saying hey these are good people with a that had a bad spot and and i love that you guys are doing that it's been it's been really really cool to be a part of something like that and for there to be real care and effort to make sure that everyone is three-dimensional mm -hmm. you know this season you you'd be surprised at how tv shows are thrown together um the first season and considering like how much story they're being told and the fact that we're trying to solve a this huge problem every week um while giving detail and care to everyone has been really successful i've been really impressed uh watching it myself 
Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. And I think something that Fire Country is doing that a lot of other shows kind of similar to this is showing, like you said, the realism of these people and the the dimension. Because when you think about like any other show that has to deal with inmates, you think about, you know, hardcore motherfuckers that are supposed to be big and bad (laughs) and all this shit. But like everybody who's on the crew has a nice, wholesome moment in the show (laughs) and it doesn't portray them as these bad people. And that's exactly what it is. It's situational stance. Um, Veering off topic, just a tiny little bit. You ever work out with Max, bro? That dude is huge. <laughs> like, you know, it's funny. I, I've done a little bit with him, but uh, my some of my my buddies back home been laughing at me because they're like, "Hey, you know, yeah, what's up with Max, man? Why, you know, why is his shirt so tight? Right? Um, <laughs> his jumpsuit does seem a little bit tighter <laughs> than everybody else's. I'm like, I don't, you don't, you don't understand, man. <laughs> He's not TV big. Some people are like TV big. Right, right. right. He's a really big guy. Right. Well, okay. And so, you know, oh, that's fantastic, by the way. I just can't. But I want to go back to a little bit about the cast, too, because another thing that I think this show is doing extremely well is it's such a diverse cast. Yeah. Right? We have so many different backgrounds of people and, and people of color and their storylines. And it's such a diverse story and it's such a diverse mix of people and how you guys are interacting. I think they're doing a brilliant job with that. Um, so, kudos on all that. And they're dealing with so so many real life issues, you know, like like the, the the guilt of losing a family member, that the cancer story that they're trying to deal with somebody dying and keeping it a secret, and then the friendship stuff, the girlfriend thing. So many real issues amongst real people. It's just fantastic. And again, not too many crazy spoilers, but I don't know if he still wants you to have his back. But I feel <laughs> like Freddie needs to get up in in Bodie's face and say. Knock that shit off with with the girl, okay? Because that ain't right. There's a code there, man. Like, what? What's? It? Although, I, am I wrong or she's kind of initiating that shit, right? Like, I mean, she, I feel like she's bringing that on. I don't, I don't know what my man is supposed to do. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I just say it. But we know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to stop him from doing that shit. That's what you're supposed. to <laughs> Sometimes, though, man, you know, it's, it's hard up in there. It's hard up there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is absolutely hilarious. Well, listen, man, thank you so much for coming on the show and getting a little crazy. This has been an absolute blast. Honestly, you're welcome back anytime. If you ever want to come back on, you get a free day. I know you were off today. And so, uh, yeah, anytime you're off and you want to come back and shoot the shit, we do like a top five segment where every top or every week it's like top five horror films, top five Leonardo DiCaprio films, Denzel Washington, anything like that. So, I mean, anytime you want to come back on, you're more than welcome, brother. Thanks a lot, man. I had a really great time. You guys are dope. And thanks for the support. The show's a real trip. It's cool to be a part of. And I'm just so excited. Well, so look, excited. man, we don't know the, the rest of the storyline and how it plays out. But I am hoping and I am pulling that you continue to move forward and that you're not only throughout the season, but that you get a series regular, man. Cause I feel like that relationship is there. I feel like that dynamic is there. And I feel like Freddie has earned that shit. And, uh, dude, best of luck. I I know it's going to be a continued success. I know you guys are going to slay it for, for many years to come. So, um, thanks man. Really, really appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Of course. Before we let you go, uh, it's all about social media now. You know that. We talked a little bit about it, but where can people follow you? Because we want to make sure everybody does. We just followed you, so we want to make sure everyone does. 
My big thing is Instagram. So W Trey Davis at Instagram. There you go. Fantastic, man. Fantastic. Well, uh, thank you again so much. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon, man. Have a great rest of your night. Absolutely. You too. All right, man. Take care. Man, that was so freaking good. I enjoyed just talking to that man. He was so real. Yeah, and he, I, well, and that translates into his character, right, Freddie? Yeah. Like we were talking there at the end of the interview about the realism of the characters and stuff. And you're right. Like, like he has. You can tell that he has an extreme knowledge mm-hmm. of the industry and how to navigate it, the good and the bad. I also liked how he said he's there to support his fellow actors. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, come on, move past that. You got 30 other auditions, and I might have to say something different to the guy that's got two. You know, Again, falling into the knowledge of the industry and how to show support for people that are doing this crazy thing we love, right? Exactly. Something I really took away from this is, you know, we talk about all the time taking risks, but he takes calculated risks. Yeah. Like he, he thinks about all of these different things, and before he attacks, he thinks about, you know, the plan of attacks. And I think that is very important you don't want to rush too hastily into something and then be like kicked out on the street so it's very important one of my favorite things that he said one of my favorite lines that he said is that the complexity of the industry Mm. actually inspires him so many times people are terrified of being outside of the comfort zone but he takes that complexity and that difficulty of being outside of the uh, you know comfort zone and makes it his inspiration and that's fucking brilliant for sure for sure thank you again trey davis for coming on the show Thank you.